discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatin as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. I've been sharing concerning your mind, the word, and then the spirit, isn't it? And then, so I want to talk a little about the word of God and what the word of God does for us. Okay? What the word of God does for us. And I want to start from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want us to read from verse 14. Hallelujah. Verse 14. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Read verse 16 together with me. One to go. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Read verse 16 to verse 17 once again. One to go. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Says from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures. You know, Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, From a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. Then he says, Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The Bible is, is not, it's not like any other book. The Bible is not ordinary. Hallelujah. It's not an ordinary book. It's not like any other book. If it were like any other book, it shouldn't be able to record people's intimate thoughts. You get it? Other people recorded other people's intimate thoughts without having any physical contact with them. Hallelujah. Yeah, if you read your Bible very carefully, you will see things that people thought about in their rooms were revealed to those who wrote the Bible. You see, the Bible you have in your hand is is inspired. It says it's it's an inspiration from God. God is God inspired. You see, look at verse verse sixteen, Second Timothy three sixteen. It says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's given by the breath, the inspiration of God. Then it says, and it is Profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for what? For doctrine, for teaching. So the word of God can teach you and give you an idea of how to live your life. Do you understand? That's what the word of God is there for. It says for doctrine, to teach you concerning what God wants you to know. Then it says, and it is good for reproof. In other words, if you are going the wrong way, it will reprove you. That's why sometimes when you come to church, Someone came to church and was wondering whether the, the, her, her leader had had a discussion with me. Hallelujah. Because the Bible is a, an, is a tool for reproof, for correcting you. You see, it is for correcting you. Sometimes some people think that uh, probably because of a certain discussion that you had with them some time ago, that is why you are preaching what you are preaching. But it's not supposed to be like that. The, the word of God comes to correct you and show you the right thing. And, and put you on the right path so that you can go the way God wants you to go. There's a way that's made right unto a man, but the end is full of distraction. That's what the Bible says. You see, so God wants to help you live the way He has called for you to live. There's a set pattern that God has created for us to live. There's a way. You see, there's a way. There's a line of thought that God wants us to have. Hallelujah. And the only way you get to know that line of thought, the only way you get to know what you are supposed to do is through the Bible, through the Word of God. It's through the Word of God. Nothing else works. So you can't be a Christian and live the way you want to live. There's a way God wants us to live. 
The Bible mentions in in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. It says that for God, for it says for we are the workmanship of God. It says for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You see, we are God's workmanship. We are God's manufactured product. That's what the word workmanship means. The word, the Greek word is poema. It means God's best poem. God's best poem. You see, it, we are we are God's product, and every single product comes with a product manual, isn't it? Sometimes you buy a small machine and it has a very big book. Buy it, isn't it? Sometimes you you wonder why why they have used so much money to print that big book. Because without that big book, you will not be able to understand how the thing operates. A lot of people are operating machines without get knowing the manual, what is in the manual. Hallelujah. So we don't know how to maximize the usage of that particular tool. You see, we are God's manufactured product. And we come with a manual. The manual that we come with, the manual that will help you know how to do, how to operate your life, how to operate the Christian life, okay, which is actually your life. You see, some people say that, oh, I have my Christian life, I have my work life, and I have my social life, and I have my family life, and I have my relationship life. There's nothing like that. There's only one life. I think you received the life of God the day you became born again, isn't it? There's just one life. God, and I've been telling you that the day you became born again, eternal life supplanted the natural life that is in you. The only thing that makes us human is our body. Is the fact that we are in a human body. That's the only thing that makes us human. But the life that regulates this body is the life of God that we have inside us. Hallelujah. If you read in John chapter 1, verse 11, he mentions that he came onto his own. Jesus Christ came onto his own. Then he says, but his own received him not. Then he goes on to say, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power or the right to become what? The sons of God. Then he goes on to say that Children which are not born of blood. Since we are not born of blood. It means that our blood does not regulate our life. If you read in, if you read in the Old Testament in Leviticus, it mentions that the life of the flesh is in the blood, isn't it? The life of the flesh is in the blood. In other words, for any normal person, what gives a person life or what causes the person to move around is the blood. If the blood is taken away, the person will die. Is that not so? But if you become born again, he says that you are not born after blood. In other words, your blood is not what is sustaining you. But you are born after God. It's the life of God that is sustaining you. So we are different. To be honest with you, we are, we are not the same. There are two groups of people working on the earth. The Gentiles, okay, together with the Jews, and believers. Before Christ came, it was into two different groups as well. It was the Jews and the Gentiles. But now that Christ has come and Christ has died and Christ has been buried and Christ has resurrected and Christ has ascended and Christ is seated at the right hand of God, he has brought a new life. The Bible says that he came out of the grave with a new life. And as many as, 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 as many as have received this life have become new men. Are you born again? Yes. Ask your neighbor, are you born again? Yes. Ask the other neighbor, are you born again? Yes. Hallelujah. Because the day you become born again, that day you receive the life of God. And when you receive the life of God, that life gives you another way. The life comes with a way of living. There are a lot of people who are trying to live the way, the Christian way, without considering the life. Some people want to live right. But living right is not possible without knowing about righteousness. Righteousness is what produces right living. Hallelujah. Yeah, if you think any other way, you will not be able to live right. A lot of, people are struggling. A lot of Christians are struggling to live right. In fact, my, my own father, some years ago, said to me that, when I, was, when I told him I was going to be a pastor, I'd been appointed and all that, he said that being a Christian is not, is not easy. That's his first words. Being a Christian is not, is not an easy thing. Are you sure you can even... I mean, being a Christian is not easy. Can you, are you sure you can pastor? Hallelujah. Yeah, he was concerned. Because for most people... Being a Christian is not easy. It's difficult. It's because of the way they think about it. The way, the approach with which, with which they come. You see, a lot of people see the word of God as something to obey. It's not something to obey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not something to obey. That's an audacious statement, isn't it? It's not something to obey. Because the Bible says that we have already obeyed. It, let me show it to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. First Peter chapter 1. Let's read from verse 1 into verse 2. You see what I'm talking about. We have become the obedient children of God. We are not the disobedient children of God. 
or the disobedient children, we have become the obedient children of God. So if you are born again, you are obedient. Say I'm obedient. He says, Peter, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the formula of, of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Then he says, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. This is, we have been separated by the Spirit of God unto obedience. There's only one thing God wants, one level of obedience that God requires from all of humanity. The other forms of obedience that you have to have is between you and God. is your own sanctification. Hallelujah. God has given his son. Okay? And he wants everybody to obey his son. Everybody to receive the life that his son has brought. When you receive his life and you, you, you accept his son, you have obeyed him. You have obeyed God and you have come into the realm of obedience. So if you read Ephesians chapter 2, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let me show you another thing. Ephesians chapter 2, that one's from verse 1 and verse 2. I'll show it to you. He says, and you has he quickened or made alive. He says, he has made you alive or he has quickened you. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Then he says, when well, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of what? Disobedience. So he calls unbelievers the children of disobedience. So they disobeyed. What are they disobeyed? They disobeyed what God, the instruction that God has given. God said that there's a testimony that God has borne. There's a record that God has given. And God wants everybody to accept that record. Do you understand? When a man accepts that testimony or accepts that witness of God concerning his son, the fact that this guy is, is his son, it's not just anybody. And that in his son, there's life. And the one who receives the son has this life. Okay? That is, that is God's instruction. If you obey that, you have obeyed. You have come in. If you don't obey that, you are a child of disobedience. Hallelujah. Does it make sense? Yeah. See, I'm obeyed. I'm you see, so he says, when in time as he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He calls them the children of disobedience. Go to First John chapter 5. First John 5. Let's read from verse 9 into verse 10 and 11. He says, if you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. If you receive the testimony of men, you know, I've been saying this to you, that if a guy says, I love you, I mean, you believe it, isn't it? Or if your father says he's going to give you some money for something, you believe him, isn't it? He's a man, but you believe what he's saying. God is saying that if you believe what men say, then believe what I say. If you've been able to receive the witness of men, then receive my witness. So God has a witness. God has just a, he has a, a, a witness. He says, if you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of a son. You see, look at the next thing. He that believeth on the Son of God has a witness in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar. So the children of disobedience are making God a liar by saying that Christ is not really the Son of God. Have you seen it? Then it says, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whosoever has a son, go to the next verse, verse 12. And he that has a son has life. And he that has not a son of God has not life. This is God's record. This is God's witness. And when you obey, you have come into the realm of obedience. You have obeyed God. Those out there have not obeyed God. That is why we must preach to them to obey God. Hallelujah. But when you come in, as soon as you obey his word, his testimony concerning his son, you receive his life, and that life is actually produced out of the word and out of the spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, except you are born of water and of the spirit, isn't it? You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 3. He said, Set, unless you are born of water and of the spirit, you cannot. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Go to verse 5. Jesus answered, Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He says, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is the water? The water represents the word of God. Jesus said that you are cleansed through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the word of God has a cleansing ability. It's symbolized with water. Okay? Then when you read in Ephesians chapter 5 as well, Jesus is mentioned. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read that one. Am I going too fast? Okay. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 25 so that we see it. Say, I'm glad I'm born again. Say, I'm on a different level. 
Say it again. I'm on a different level. You have to accept that. I said that your mind plays a big role in your life as a believer. What you think makes all the difference? What you think? What do you think? You see, what are you thinking about? Your, your thought processes rule your life. Hallelujah. You can pray in tongues and not be thinking right. That's why people don't get results. Some people are praying, but they are not thinking right. You see, they are praying, busy praying, shouting and doing everything. But because your thought processes are not right, God can help them. Because when God answers you, it will ultimately come into your mind. He will minister through your spirit to your mind, for your mind to understand, so that you can interpret what he has said, and then do what he has said to do. That is why when someone is prophesying to you, or when someone is saying something prophetic to you, he says something that you can understand, not something that you cannot understand. Does it make sense? Because he receives it by his spirit, and it's brought to his mind, and then he says it to you in a language that you can understand. How can God speak to you in a way that you can't understand? You see, it doesn't make sense. What kind of a God is that? What kind of God is that? Who speaks and you don't know? You don't, oh, as a God, he speaks, his ways are strange. He speaks in mysterious ways. No, it's not true. He talks to us in a way that we can understand. And he needs your mind. So your mind must be in consonance or must be synchronized with the word of God. And that's the purpose of the word. Hallelujah. Says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Then verse 26 says, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Have you seen it? So the word of God is is shown to us in this place as having a cleansing ability. So when Jesus said that a certain man be born of water and of the spirit, we are talking about the word of God and the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter 1, 23, the Bible mentions, it says that being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of being corruptible, by the word of God that lives and abides forever. So when you become born again, you are born of the word. Say, I'm born of the word. Say that again, I'm born of the word. So as you are moving around, you are actually God's word tabernacle in flesh. So think like that, that I'm God's word tabernacle in flesh. Just as Jesus was God's word tabernacle in flesh, the Bible says that, and the word became flesh. In John 1, 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, isn't it? And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him were all things made. Without him was nothing made that is made. Then he says, in him was life. In him life lay. Then he mentions in verse 14 that, And the word became flesh. John 1, 14. And the word was made flesh. Or the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God's word became flesh and was given a name called Jesus. Hallelujah. So if we are born after that image, after the image of this man, who is the man of the heavenly, as you have in 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 48 and 49, okay, if we are born after this man's image, then we are also born after God's word. And 1 Peter 1, 23 categorically mentions it. That being born again, not a corruptible seed. That is the second time the word born again is used in the Bible. The second and only time. You see. Being born again. Jesus mentioned it first, and Peter mentioned it again. Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but a corruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we are born of God's word. And because we are born of God's word, we are, because we obey, that is how come we are born of his word. Doesn't make sense. So God's word is inside you. It's in your spirit. Your spirit man came with the word of God. So why should we read, why do we read our Bible then? If I'm, if I'm the word of God tabernacle in flesh, then why should I read my Bible? You know, someone heard this particular news, this particular knowledge, and said that that is it. It means that as I'm lying down, the word of God will just be flowing through me. It doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. Because your mind doesn't know what is inside your spirit. Your mind doesn't know. Doesn't make sense. Your mind doesn't know what is inside your spirit. Okay? So the word of God that you're hearing must be sown into your heart and must be taught off in your mind. That's, it's called meditation. Meditation is thinking over the word. Thinking on the word. The more you think on the word, the more the word of God that is inside your spirit gets an opportunity to synchronize with the word of God in your heart and in your mind. For it to show up in your life. Hallelujah. So you must, you must learn to stuff yourself with the word of God. It's too important. This is what Christianity is. Christianity is nothing else but to get to God's word. Okay? I said it to show you how to live. If you're a product of God, can you imagine someone using a microwave as TV? Because it looks like TV. You see, microwave, I used to think that my, when I was young, I thought microwave was TV. 
Because when they put it on, you see light inside. I also seen people, but it's like maybe one day people will appear inside. Yeah, I used to think like that. Hallelujah. Or you go to someone's house and he's using um, uh, water closest as his hall, hall seat because it is seat. Yeah, you go and then you, have, you see water closest, like five. <laughs> Three on one side, that's the couch. That's where you relax. And then two on one side. And then probably two, another two here. Then there's a TV there, and then you come, you sit on it, and then what would you think about such a person? What would you think? There's something wrong with him, isn't it? Because he doesn't know the reason why that particular thing was produced. Because he's not read the manual, he doesn't know. Even though he's using it, it can be used, isn't it? You can actually use it as a seat in your room. And it's work, you can sit on it. Of course, you've been sitting on it in your room, isn't it? The problem is that you sat on one before coming today is very high. Hallelujah. You've sat on it. But it's not something we sit on in public. <laughs> Even though it's for sitting, it's not for sitting in public. Hallelujah. So to know exactly what... I mean, do you have an expectation of how your life is supposed to turn out? You need the word of God. There are some things that happen to believers that is not permitted by... It's not permitted in the word. Okay? But believers accept it as like, oh... You know, let's just accept it. Sickness and disease is not accepted by the word of God. You see. Failure is not accepted. You, you don't have any reason to fail. <laughs> you have been born for the winning life. Only. Failure is not accepted. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Christians are failing because they don't know. The Bible says that they know not. In some ages, we say they know not. Neither do they understand. Since they walk on in darkness. They walk on in darkness. Since, but I've said that you are gods. And that you are children of the most high. Hmm? Psalm 82, right? Verse 6. Let's read from verse 4. Oh, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Since deliver the poor and the needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Then he says, they know not. Neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Everything is not working because they know not. Yeah, they don't know. That's why things are in Bisma Bisma. <laughs> Things are in disarray. Hallelujah. It says, I have said, You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. You see, Jesus quoted the scripture in John chapter 10. He mentioned it. He said that if he said to those to whom the word of God came that ye are gods, what do you think of the one who came from him? <laughs> I have said, You are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Look at the next thing. Verse 7. Then he says, But you shall die like men. And fall like one of the princes. Why? Because they know not. In Hosea, he mentions that for the lack of knowledge, my people perish. Because they don't know. You need to know the word of God for yourself. I'm telling you. Concerning different aspects of the Christian work. Concerning healing. Sometimes you must go, go into the Bible and find out concerning healing. So that you don't fall sick ever again in your life. Because it is possible. That's the life we've been given. There's, the life we've been given is not before sick today. Then you fall aside and you recover. No. The life of God we've been given is not to be taking drugs. Some people can't sleep without drugs. It's not God's perfect will for your life. It may be happening to you, but it's not God's perfect will for your life. Hallelujah. Maybe you are failing. You struggled concerning so many things. Things are not working as it's supposed to. Don't worry. Say that's not my life. That's what the Bible says that while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal. Any single thing that you are seeing that is not consistent with God's word is temporal. With God's word, it can change. And don't think that, oh God, you know a lot of people like quick fix, right? You know a lot of people like quick fix. That's why people go to prophets who can pray for them and for something to happen instantly. Or for something to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, they want a handkerchief. You know, you give them a handkerchief or you give them what? 
spray or a certain oil or a certain water, some water. Hallelujah. Some salt or some stone or some sand. It's amazing what people are blessing these days. All kinds of things. But those things work temporarily. It may get you something. I'm even really, really wondering whether it's coming from a council of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes you wonder. Because that's not what the New Testament tells us to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. God would have the word of God work in your life. That's, what, that's, that's his desire. You see. Hallelujah. There are so many reasons why you need the word of God. I'll explain to, the, to you as time goes on. Okay? By the word of God. See the word works. works. Say it again. The word works. works. Yeah. The word of God works. Nothing else does. (laughs) What is received by the word is permanent. What is received by any other means is temporal. If you get a husband because someone prayed for you for a husband. Listen. The husband will be temporal. No, they are temporal husbands, right? Exactly. You have to learn how to keep what you have received. And you need the word of God to help you keep what you have received. Also, when something small happens, you just start crying. Some guys got married. We were listening to something. Some guys got married. And two weeks later, they came to the pastor. And said that, pastor, the guy said, pastor, I'm tired. Yeah, two weeks. You'll be surprised. Pastor, I'm tired. But was the same people who were two weeks earlier were saying, we are in love. And we're doing all kinds of things. At least just when some small pressure came, they wanted to go. <laughs> but when the word of God is inside us, like it's inside these two people. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can expect that thing to be permanent. You don't even think about it. It's permanent. Where are we, where are we going? We are inside it. It's, <laughs> the marriage is permanent. It's for life. It's eternal. It's, we, don't, we are not considering whatever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. See, I'm born of the word. Say it again, I'm born of the word. Say my life is full of the word of God. Okay, so it's 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 for our living. We have been born of the word. Okay, and the only way to survive or to live the life that God has given to us is through God's word. So you must know it. Okay? That's why you must read your Bible every day. You have to read it every day. Do you drink water three days every now and then? How many of you drink? You take water three days, three days? Or once a week? Anybody? Anybody? How many of you take water a lot in a day? Oh, give me a wave. No, practically everybody. You don't take water every, every time. Because you need water. A lot of the pains that people have in their bodies because of lack of water. Yeah, when you, like, when you learn to take a lot of water... Some things don't come into your body. Piles. Uh, you know piles. Yeah, piles will not be in your life. Hallelujah. The solution to piles is not prayer. It's water. <laughs> Drink a lot of water. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the word of God is water, isn't it? The word of God is, what, is water. So if it is water and you need water every time and every day, then why do you have to put the word of God on the shelf? And say, I don't have time. You don't have time for what? What are you talking about? It means that you don't know what you are talking about. You are born again, but you are very far away. You are very, 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 very far away. That is what brings us peace. The word of God brings us peace. You see, we have been, we've been, given, we've been given all that pertains to life and godliness. Every single thing that you need for your life has been given to you. It's all inside your spirit. But because your mind is not synchronized with your spirit, and because your heart has not had the word of God planted into it, what is in your spirit cannot show. Doesn't make sense. The Bible says the sower went out to sow. And he mentioned that the seed is the word of God. And he said that the field that he sowed the word of, upon is a, is a heart, isn't it? So the word of God that I'm preaching to you right now is coming. It's, I'm sowing seeds into your heart. You see? I'm sowing seeds into your heart. By your meditation, you water the word for it to grow. And as it grows, what is in your spirit gets a leeway. Your spirit man has a life of God in it, isn't it? So your spirit man grants is what grants the, the seed life for it to be able to produce fruits. Then you can see the fruits of the word of God in your life. That makes sense. Yeah. You see that you are bearing fruits. Fruits of love. Fruits of joy. Fruits of peace. 
Everybody, you, you are so peaceful, anybody who comes around you starts feeling peaceful. You are full of joy, anybody who comes around begins to tap on you. You become a source. You know, the Bible mentions that we are a city set on a hill, isn't it? Yeah. That, that, that phrase, city set on a hill, is a phrase that means a place of refuge. It's a place where people come to. All the cities of refuge were found on hills in those times. When Joshua crossed the, the Red Sea, the, the, the Jordan, all the uh, Hebron and all those places were on hills. And they were all cities of refuge, about seven cities. Hallelujah. <coughs> And people would run to that place. Anybody who had done something bad could run to that place. And when he goes there, he's safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, isn't it? Since the righteous man runs to and is safe. Those who had done wrong could run to the cities of refuge and be safe. So we are cities of refuge for others to come to and be saved. And the word of God is what helps us get to know what we are. Or else you'll be looking for help. Remember what Christians are looking for help, isn't it? They're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. Searching and searching. It's nowhere. It's not in any human. Nobody can make you happy. You know that? You know nobody can make you happy? Yeah. Ask your neighbor, do you know? Do you know? What did he say? Ask your other neighbor. Do you know that nobody can make you happy? Ask the one behind you. <laughs> do you know that nobody can make you happy? Happiness is a quality from that fruit of the spirit called joy. Happiness. Nobody can make you happy. No human being can make you happy. I'm telling you. That's why a lot of people have issues. With this kind of knowledge, nobody can offend you. I'm telling you. Nobody can offend you. Because your joy does not come from them. Uh, when you see someone behaving a certain way, you know where the, le- the level upon which the person is. Okay? The level upon which he is. Whether the word of God is really implanted in the person or not. When someone is messing up and doing all kinds of things and insulting and doing all that. You are full of joy because like you, I have to pray for this person. So your, your solution is I have, to, I have to pray for this person. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can't seek happiness in circumstances. No. That's not how. Jesus was always full of joy. Always. That's why a lot of people wanted to come close. Say, I'm full of joy. I'm full of joy. <laughs> so you stuff yourself with the word of God. It produces all these things in your life. Okay? You see, in, in 2 Timothy 3, what we read initially. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Then it says, For instruction in what? For instruction in what? It's an instruction manual in righteousness. It's the day we came born again, we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible mentions that he was made sin. Christ was made sin whom you know sin. So that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have been given the righteousness, we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Is that not so? So he says that this particular, the word of God, the scriptures is given to instruct you in righteousness. It's an instruction manual. To help him know how to live in righteousness. For instance, there's this mistake that is, is happening in the body of Christ. Those who say they are grace preachers who are preaching it wrongly. Okay? There's this idea that you pick grace to do something wrong. You get it? Hmm, amazing. Let me explain it to you. Let's say this lady is by you. And you went to fornicate. You know that it is wrong, right? So you look at the lady and you say that, okay, you let's, there's grace. We are living in grace. Let's just finish, then we'll just pick grace for ourselves. We'll just confess. Because you know that you can confess. And it's faithful and just to forgive you, isn't it? Oh, don't you know that? Yeah. So let's just kiss and say goodnight. Let's just be happy. After that, we'll confess our sin and take grace and go. And move on. Someone is going to lie. He has planned the lie. <laughs> you know you can plan your lie. Yeah. It's not like you do something wrong and it's like, if you don't lie, you can't come out of, out of the thing. So, so you plan the lie. I remember during this time, so, some years ago, many years ago, about 15 years ago, sometimes I would do something and I know that when I get home, I'll be punished. So what, as I'm doing, I'm planning. I'm planning where to start the story from. You know, and I, I was born again. 
But I'll be planning, I'll plan and plan and plan. And when I get home, do not ask me anything about it. It's amazing. God will save me. He will save me for my lie. Hallelujah. But I'll go plan the lie and want to see it. And see that God. And they pray about it, you know. God, if only you allow this thing to work, I'll worship you forever. <laughs> and I'll take grace for it. Like, I'll take grace. After lying, I'll just receive the grace of God, the mercy of God and the grace of God, so that I can move on. That is not what, it's, it's, it's wrong. Hallelujah. It's wrong. Grace means the ability of God. Grace is the ability of God. That helps you go against every single temptation that comes into your life. After temptation, they will come. Your temptations will come, right? Who has never been tempted in his life? Wow. <laughs> I saw a hand here. Did I see another one here? Did you hear the question well? Where were you when I was talking? I said, have you ever been tempted in your life? If you have never been tempted in your life, lift up your hand. Yeah, we are the holy ones of God. But the holy ones of God have temptation coming onto them. You get it? Yeah. Temptation, also temptation to come. But in the temptation, that means that Let's let's read let's read some things in the Bible. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter ten, right? Thirteen. Okay. Let's read from let's read from verse one. So that it makes more sense, okay? First Corinthians chapter ten from verse one. It is more of a burden. I would not that you should be ignorant. How that all our fathers were under the cloud. They were all where? Under the cloud. You know they were all moving under a certain cloud. And that's why it's so foolish to say that you are going through the desert time of your life. Some people say that they are like, we are like the Israelites who are going through the desert. We are going through the desert of life. Some people, some people have written books about it. The desert times of my life. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like that. These guys who are working in the desert had a cloud over them. They had their own condition even though they were in the desert. So don't make that mistake. I know someone who was not going to church because of that. It's like, I'm going through some things and I need to sort it out with God. After that, when the period is over, then I come to church. See, it doesn't make sense. It's more of a burden. I would not that you should be ignorant. How that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Hmm? It says they were baptized unto, what? unto Moses. So they had a certain kind of baptism. When they went through the sea, and were going under the cloud, they were baptized, also they were baptized unto Moses. It's another kind of baptism, okay? Then he says, and they all eat the same spiritual meat, which is the manna, right? And he says, and they all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So there was a rock following them that gave them water every time. I mean, what is nicer than that? And you don't pay for it. No lights, no water, no no air conditioning, they were nothing. They were just, God gave them a very comfortable environment. They had food, they had meat. So don't say, I'm, say I'm not going to any desert. I'm not going to any desert. Because we have arrived in the land of Canaan. We have arrived in the place of enjoyment. Come and come and enjoy. Stop suffering. Tell me, never stop suffering. Why are you suffering like that? <laughs> no, it's amazing how some Christians think. Why you say, how are you? Hmm. <laughs> you know the response. Hmm. You ask your dear? It's a very sad thing. Say, I refuse to suffer. I refuse to suffer. Say, I've not been born to suffer. I've not been born to suffer. Someone says, Why then? Why, why are Christians suffering? Because you don't know that they are not supposed to suffer. If you don't know you are not supposed to suffer, you suffer, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If you know you are not supposed to suffer, so that then you will do things differently. <laughs> Even when there's heat, you will not suffer. And I start when I say stop suffering. I'm not saying that when everything goes away, then it's a sign that you are not suffering anymore. Or do you understand what I'm saying? In the presence of something that is happening to you, you can be happy and you can be full of joy. If only you see things the way God sees things. It's, it's all about the way you see things. Your mindset. And God wants to give you a mindset. You know that guy who saw a glass of water? Okay? And he said that the glass is what? Half empty. One said the glass is half empty. Another said the glass is half filled. Or half full. 
These are two different people altogether. One is seeing emptiness, one is seeing fullness. And one who is seeing fullness will definitely have fullness happening to him. So same situation, but one sees it differently. The other also sees it differently. That's what we are talking about. That's the way the world sees things. They look at things, so things are happening. The country is not going. We know what is happening in the country. But there's a way to see life. The economy is not going well. There's a way to see it. If the economy gets harder, I write higher, isn't it? And mind you, God did not promise that the world would get any better. So we are living, your children come and live in the West one. So if you don't learn how to live the life of God and train your children to live that same way, you will make your children suffer. With your words and with your mindset, the way you think. There are lots of Christians who are thinking the world way. They look at things from the world way. Keep your finger here. Go to Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Let me show it to you. Colossians. 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 It's a Hallelujah. It's a The way I was Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you Can you read it to me? One to go. Hold on. Have you been risen with Christ? Yeah. Are you sure you have been risen with Christ? Yeah. Slap your neighbor and ask, are you sure you've been risen with Christ? <laughs> I'm not your neighbor, don't slap me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you are you are you sure you're risen with Christ? Ask your neighbor, are you sure you're risen with Christ? What did you say? Yes. <laughs> Okay, then read on. So you can read something like this and it will change your whole day. I'm risen with Christ. That's how to meditate on the word. Meditate on the word of God does not mean reading one chapter and then try to memorize everything. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Understanding does not mean chewing. There are two different things altogether. Sometimes you can go for a lecture. The lecture will say a lot of things, but just one point, you get to know that one point actually explains everything. And you keep that one point in your mind and meditate on that one, isn't it? Yeah. And that one leads you to every other thing to remember every other. That's how we do it. Okay? Remember, you read something and then the Spirit of God will tell you to wait on it. Just think about this for the whole day. So whenever you are free, sometimes I can pick scriptures, different scriptures, scriptures on on uh, maybe the life of God, on Christ, on righteousness. Just pick them, about three of them. And every now and then, whilst I'm you know, doing my things during the day, I'll just relax a little somewhere and think about them for a while. You get it? That's how we do it. You think about it for a while. Just sit somewhere, quietly. Even if it's just for five minutes, you just sit down and think about it. Catch yourself thinking about the Word of God. That's how we're supposed to live. You catch yourself thinking about God's Word. Not catch yourself thinking about how... The pressure is too much. No. Read it to me. One to go. It says, If ye then the reason of Christ, uh-huh, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on For you are dead, and your life is held with Christ in God. Have you seen it? So set your affection. Set, set your mind, your emotions on things above. So seek those things that are above. What are those things that are above? Says where Christ sitteth. You must know that it says the Bible says, "My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches." There's a way to live. So you may be seeing lack, but you say to yourself, "It's called faith." Don't you understand? It's called faith, and we live by faith and not by sight. And faith cometh by the word. Hmm? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. That's what the Bible says, and we are. He says, the just shall live by faith. What are you talking about? This is our life. Are you born again? Yeah. Are you a child of God? Yeah. Are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? He yeah. says, you are the just, right? So the just shall live by faith. And, and, and Paul, Paul mentions it in passing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where he quotes it. From verse 1, he was talking about a new body. A heavenly body. That's what Paul was talking about. Paul was not discussing faith. He was talking about a heavenly body. And as he was talking, he got to verse, verse 7. Go to, yeah. You see, he's in brackets. He's even in brackets. Let's read from verse 13 to verse 7. You see what I'm talking about. Says, therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But he says, for we walk by faith, 
not by salita verse 8. We are confident, I say, and we really want that to be absent from the body and to present with the Lord. You see, he's talking about the body. He's talking about the heavenly body and being with the Lord and all that. He's not talking about faith. Do you understand? But he puts it there. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. This, it was not a subject for discussion because that, was what, that is what everybody is supposed to live by. All of us live by faith. So he wasn't discussing faith. But he mentions it. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And walking by faith means walking by the word. Walking in line with the word of God. What is the Bible saying concerning this situation? What does the word of God say? It says it's an instruction manual. How does the machine behave in such cases? You get it? How does the love of God behave in such situations? You find out. This is how it behaves. Okay. Then you act it. You act it out. This is count it all joy when you go to divest test. So things are happening. Terrible things are happening. But he says count it all joy. So you mention it. This one is happening to me. Kabbalah, Shoulder, by This is our life. And if you don't learn to live like that, you'll be surprised. But problem, you know problems. <laughs> you'll be shocked that you'll be 40 and you have wrinkle, uh, worry wrinkles. You are 40, but you look like a 75 year old man. Oh, yeah. You know that the world has been designed to, to, to squeeze you, to squeeze the life out of you. You know that, right? How many of you know that? Just look at your boss. <laughs> yeah, and how he treats you at work. Yeah. Look at the pressure. There's so much pressure. Sometimes I, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Charlie, you wake up at 5 a.m., prepare and go to work by 7.30. You stay there. People come with their problems. You have to solve everybody's own. Have you seen a policeman before? A police CID before? The problem they have to solve is not a joke. And when I see them, I become sad. So much. When I saw their problems, I decided to just give them the one CD when they request for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, he says, my brother, count it all joy when you go through, when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. Tests are coming. Things are coming. But he's count it all joy. This is how to behave. Are you listening to me at all? Yeah. Okay, let me read it to you. My brethren, complain every time when you fall into Bible sentence. Is that what the Bible says? No. My brethren, tell everybody how you are suffering when you go to Bible test. That's what the Bible said. It says, count it all joy. Say to your neighbor, count it all joy. Say to your neighbor, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Tell him I'm full of joy. Is it all amazing? But the world doesn't see things that, that way. What does the world say concerning problems? When problems, things are coming to you, discuss it, right? Discuss it with other people. Complain. Yeah. It's like when you're not complaining, it's like there's something wrong with you. One of our sisters sitting here was tied to a psychiatric hospital because there was something happening, she was not, she was not bothered. And everybody was wondering what was wrong with her. So they took her to a psychiatric hospital to go and see a psychiatric doctor. For a statement, we were waiting for her. Whether she was okay. Isn't that amazing? Because she had peace in the time, in the time of trouble. So much peace. They didn't understand. See, they are different. Yeah. Hallelujah. You pray for this thing, it's not happening. It's not time to complain. Tell everybody. I prayed for it for years. It's not happening. That's why it's not happening. Because you are talking too much. Hallelujah. <laughs> so let's go back to First Corinthians, right? First Corinthians 10. It says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. Even though they all had the same spiritual beats, and they all had the same, they all went through the same cloud, drawn from the same spiritual water from the rock, and all that, okay, baptized unto Moses through the cloud and through the sea, all of them had the same experience with the word. They were all hearing the word of God. They were all, everybody had the same thing, information coming to them. Then it says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. Why? It says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Let's read a lighter version so we understand it. Let's read Amplified. Of this verse. It says, Nevertheless, God was, God was not pleased with the great majority of them, for they were overthrown and strewn down along the ground 
in the wilderness. In other words, they died, right? They were told they died. Look at the reason. Go back to the King James. Let's see verse 6. It's a very powerful scripture. It says, Now these things were our examples. To their intent, we should not last after evil things, as they, they also lasted. Okay? Hmm. Let's go on. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them. As is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Hmm. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. You know what kind of fornication they are talking about? He's not talking about physical fornication. He's talking about devaluing what God places value on. Okay? He says, Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither remember ye as some of them. Have you seen what he's saying? Says, neither remember you as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. They murmured. They were murmuring. Do you understand murmuring? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time when comes out, I can't feel it. The thing doesn't work. You try the guy, doesn't work. Because I'm thinking of something, George. Uh, every time. Every time. Memory. It's a very dangerous thing to do. If you are not careful, you'll be shocked at what will happen to you. If you, if you decide not to live according. It's a choice. You must, you must make a choice. To live according to the word. Not according to your emotions. Do you understand? You have to make a choice. A very serious choice in your life. But I'm going to live by the word. I'm not going to allow myself. Oh hallelujah. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is wonderful isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, I want to show you another scripture. That's why I said the Holy Spirit is wonderful. <laughs> Keep your finger here. Okay. I'm sure about memory. Briefly. Go to. Where is it from? Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 12. Philippians 2.12. His word for my beloved. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, isn't it? He's not talking about you working out your salvation in terms of you becoming born again. He's talking about you working out your salvation in terms of you bringing out what all the things that are in, in salvation that is in you. For it to show forth. In other words, he's telling you to bear fruits. Be conscious of bearing fruits and do so with all fear and trembling. Do you understand? So that you don't lose. The Bible says, keep your eyes focused. Don't turn to the left or to the right. It says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his of his own good pleasure. Look at the next thing. It says, do all things without memories and disputings. They are those who challenge you. They are those who fight the word of God as it's coming. When they say, they say, we will do it already. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, oh, it doesn't work. Do you, you know some people like that, right? They fight with the, they are in church. It's not the length of time you spent in church that makes the difference. You have been in church for 20 years. Or 30 years or 10 years. And not have had the word of God working in your life because you are always fighting it. When it's coming as a corrective tool. The word of God is to correct you. It is to correct you. Every time you come to, to, to church or you read the Bible, it will show you something. It may show you something that you are doing that is not right. What do you need to do? I've been telling you, be like the police car. American police car, right? American police car can be going in this direction. When it's told that there's a problem on the other direction, what does it do? It just turns the moves in that direction. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't know about Ghana police car, but American police car. That's that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. There are those who fight. He says, do all things without what? Grumbling. This amplified. Fault finding and complaining against God. And questioning and doubting among yourselves. Questioning and doubting the word of God. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to do. Go to, go to the next verse. King James. He says, that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom you shine as what? As lights. In the world. The only way to shine as light in the world is through the word of God. See, I'll live by the word. I'll think the word. Let's go back to First Corinthians 10 10. I'm finishing. Neither memory, as some of them also remember, and were destroyed or the destroyer. Now, then it says, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for ab- admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. All these things are very powerful scriptures that I can explain to you, but that's what I'm doing today, so I don't talk about them. Then he says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take it, lest he fall. Then he says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Have you seen it? 
But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be, a, to be tempted above that you are able. But with the temptation also make a way of escape. He says you make a way of escape. Have you it? That you may be able to bear it. He will make a way of escape. What is the way of escape he's talking about? The word of God. The way of escape is through the word of God. Hallelujah. That is the way of escape. So you need the word of God more than anything. It will instruct you as to how to behave. In every situation. How the life that you have behaves. To teach you. To show you to love. Sometimes there are some Christians. You wonder what is wrong with them. You know. They are, they are suspicious of everybody. Including themselves. Yeah. You know those who. When something good happens to them. They wonder what is wrong. What? Why? Yeah. They wonder. Why is this thing. If you are doing something good to them. They think there is a catch to it. Why are you doing. They are suspect. Why are you doing this. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm full of joy. It's counted joy when you go through diverse temptations. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. So it's an instruction manual. Okay? It's an instruction manual. And you must learn to read it. And don't be like those people who read the Bible. <laughs> when you're reading the Bible, okay? You remember we just read that it says the Old Testament, all that happened to the, the Israelites in the desert and all the Old Testament was written for our example, isn't it? And for our admonition, isn't it? What does that mean? I would say, I'm admonishing you. It's an advice, isn't it? Like, I'm telling you something so that you don't go in this light, but you go in the right light, right? This is written for our example. So there are examples unto us. In other words, those places are places where you pick lessons from, for your life. But the New Testament was not written for our example. The New Testament was written for our living. The Old Testament is written for us. It is for our admonition. It is for our example, right? I'm preaching to you. But the New Testament is written to us. So the New Testament has our names in there. Don't be an Old Testament preacher. There are those who are living in the Old Testament. When something is happening to them, then they open. Abraham, even Abraham, all these things happen to him. <laughs> Give the Lord a shout. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, even if these things happen to Abraham. It's, that's why it's happening to me. <laughs> the name is written with our names. Our names are there. If you've not found your name, look for it. Your name is inside the New Testament. And when I say New Testament, I'm not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is still part of the Old Testament. Because the New Testament started when Jesus died, rose again. He is the one who. The word testament means what? What does it mean? It means will. The word testament means will. Someone's will. Your father has not died. He's watching TV. And you found out that he has given his TV to you in his will. You come, you, you put the TV up. He asks, what are you doing? So, that is mine. It's, you, it's not for you. It's mine. Because you visit it. then you just carry the TV and you're taking it. What do you think he'll do to you? He's watching it. It's not that he was not there. He's watching. He's just watching the thing. Then you can you just took the took the remote, put the thing off. Once you put it off on the on the plug, you unplug the thing and then you carried it. What are you doing? That is mine. It's in your world. That is mine. I'm taking it away. I'm telling you. I don't know what your father will do to you. But there are some fathers who they will put you inside the wall. <laughs> you will be shocked. Hallelujah. You can't do that. The fact that it's there like that doesn't mean like. A, you, a will is enforced after the death of the one who wrote the will. The one who, who's, yeah, that's what the Bible says. It says a will is enforced, a testament, a testament is enforced after the death of the testator. And Christ is the one who wrote the will. Okay? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And he ratified the will with his own blood. Or he set it in motion with his own, with his own blood. So the New Testament starts after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Do you understand that? Yeah? So, when I talk about New Testament, so what about the life of Jesus? The life of Jesus is, to show, is a demonstration of how we live. Our life also functions. He's the first demonstration of the life of God. That's why you must read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm not saying don't read it. But your name is found in Ephesians, in Romans, in Colossians, in Hebrews. So there are things you have to meditate on. Okay? Let me, let me show you an example. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm showing you how to read the Bible and how to benefit from it. There's a lenses to look. <laughs> God has given. There's a way. Hmm? 
If you don't read those ones first, you can't understand Genesis. I understand Genesis. I understand Exodus. I understand all those things because I've read these ones. Okay, go to Galatians chapter 6. Let's read from verse 15. It says, For in Christ Jesus, <laughs> neither circumcision availeth anything, nor what? All circumcision. Then it says, But a new creature. Have you seen it? It says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything. In other words, circumcision, what is circumcision? The Jews. All circumcision, the Gentiles. But it says, In Christ, none of these things matter. In other words, God is not looking at whether you are Jew or a Gentile. He's looking at one thing, the new creation. Have you seen it? Do you understand what I'm saying? It says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor circumcision, but a new creature. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, right? Behold, all things have become new. All things are passed away, all things have become new, right? And all these new things are of God. Okay? So he says, what God is looking at is a new creation, not any other. He's not looking at the Old Testament, he's not looking at any other thing, he's looking at the new creation. So what is the new creation? You have become the new creation. Now you must find out about yourself. What have I become? What do I have now? What can I do? Where can I go? And when God says that you can go here, you can go there. When God says you can do this, you can do it. What God says you can do, you can do. Go back to Galatians chapter 6, what we're reading. Then he says, and as many as... Let's read from verse 15 once again, so that we understand it. For in Christ Jesus... See, for in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Then he goes to the, He says, and as many as walk according to this rule... As many as walk according to this rule. What rule? The rule of the new creation. The word rule is canon. Canon. Okay? Canon. You know, we have canon of scriptures. There's a canon of the new creation. It says, as many as walk according to this rule, it says, peace on them. So anybody who enjoy peace will have to walk according to this rule. Peace on them and mercy and upon the angel of God. So there's a way God is looking at things. Hallelujah. So you must find out concerning yourself. That's the first place. It's the first and the last place, actually. Sometimes you go to church and they preach Old Testament. You don't even know. I'm not saying the Old Testament is wrong. But if you don't look at the Old Testament with the eye of the new creation, you'll be surprised about the foolish things that you learn. So you look at the Old Testament. Abraham lied about his wife. That his wife was his sister. So you look at it and you also decide that at certain points in my life, I also lie about my wife. That my wife, so that I can get some one or two things. Is that, is that what the Bible says? So, in the, it, the things are not drawn out properly for you. But when you look at it with the eye of the new creation, you will get to know what the reason why the scriptures were written, the Old Testament was written. You understand? Yeah? And it will benefit you big time. Recently, I was learning about David and Saul. And I looked at how David cried and wept when Saul died. Even though his enemy, Saul was his enemy. You know Saul was David's enemy. How many of you know that? Saul took 3,000 men and chased David, looking for David. 3,000 soldiers, looking for one man. For years, not less than 10 years, he was looking for David. All over, from one cave to the other, chasing him from one cave to the other. Yet when Saul died, when Saul and Jonathan perished in that battle, and someone took Saul's crown and brought it to David, that, listen, this is, this is your enemy's crown. He was dying, he couldn't die, and I helped him die. And I took his crown and brought it to you. Now behold, this is your... This is the crown. The Bible says that David wept for three days and lamented. He said that, how could Saul die as though he was not anointed? That's what David said. And as he was crying, he, if you read what David did, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. He wept Saul. And as he was weeping, he turned and looked at the guy. He said, were you not afraid to touch the Lord's anointed? He said, follow him. Kill him. The guy thought he had done the right thing. But David killed him. They got him killed. Now, if you, are, if you are a new Christian man and you read the New Testament, you will understand that particular scripture. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who, who despitefully use you. So what will you do? Look at how David prayed for his enemies. He prayed. He prayed. He prayed for one saw that he cried. <laughs> so you will never be that one of those people who pray against their enemies. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, those who stand, we are born to say, say, what are you talking about? Is that what the new creation is about? That's what the new creation is about. The new creation is about love. It's full of love. He's full of love. When your enemy die, you don't rejoice. When a sinner die, some people have this happening. So when someone, someone who was a very bad person dies, then they say, huh? Say, okay, well, 
You are here, you are enjoying your nest, which we were enjoying in heaven. And you'll be languishing in hell. Is that what the Bible says? That's not what the Bible says. But if you are not careful, you read the Old Testament and think like that. Yeah, that's why they are behaving the way they are behaving. You see, Elijah caught fire upon people and burned them. So they too. When something happened. Hey! Pay, pay. Then they change your mind. Oh, pay, pay, cry, and also. Before slow, machine gun. The ball, ga, 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 ga. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Is that Christianity? Is that, being, is that what it means to be born again? Not at all. So it's a mistake. It's a gross mistake. Jesus said to those two guys, John and James, his brother, he says, You don't know that. They wanted to call fire upon someone. He said, You don't know the spirit with which you are working. That's not what I brought. How come people are doing that? Because they have put their minds in the Old Testament. And they are not reading the Bible well. Yeah, people take coke and salt. Pour it together and so that they can... What is the meaning of that? Is that Christianity? It's not. So there's a way to look at things, right? Doesn't make sense. There's a way to look at things. See, I'm on the right path. Say it again, I'm on the right path. Yeah. See, I'm full of love. Say it again, I'm full of love. Rise up on your feet and let's pray. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.